This is Milky and Honey, episode four. We're Kyle and Whitney. And we've kind of had the idea of what is the church come up a lot lately. We see that kind of being explored a little bit with the way the world is right now, having lockdown and people not getting to get together as per usual on a Sunday or any other day of the week. <laughs> and it's, it's an idea that I've been extra conscious of uh, because I'm doing this seminary alternative program uh, mm -hmm. called LEAD. And uh, that's one of the papers that I have to write is on ecclesiology or what is the church what's the church about mm -hmm. and a lot of these papers are harder for me to write because i i don't want to just toe the denomination line uh you want to make sure you're being true to the bible and thinking about it and taking it for what it truly means instead of just right it's not that there's anything particularly wrong or bad about the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance denomination, they're actually very good. They do a lot mm -hmm. of things right. It's just I'm not a huge fan of viewing the church in terms of denominations in general. <laughs> I'll put this out here and, and, and I'm sure this could make people angry, but I, I, it's the same kind of thing when we're talking about politics. It's dangerous if we believe that because this has this label, it means it's always right. Mm -hmm. We have to be on guard and be sure that we are checking everything to make sure we're not just swallowing something and being lazy with our labeling. Right. And so some of the conclusions and thoughts that I've kind of run through as I've been thinking on this for the last several months, uh, one of the big things that I see when people start talking about the church is this tendency to say the church isn't a building. The church is the people, you know, church is the people that go there. And, uh, that sounds warm and fuzzy. Um, but if I want to get real technical, that's not, that's not really correct. Um, and it's not correct on a number of levels. Uh, first and foremost, just being in English, that's not how that word is used. Mm. Uh, like it or not, in the English language, the way church is used, it's a multifaceted word. It's, mm -hmm. an, it's what a broad stroke word. It's mm -hmm. not terribly specific. Mm -hmm. So, yes, in English, I hate to break it to you. You might not like it. It might not jive well with your theology. But in English, when someone says church, they could mean a building, mm -hmm. literally a, a brick and mortar sitting on a foundation. Mm -hmm. They could mean a service, as in a scheduled time where people get together. Okay. We're going to have church today. Yeah. They, yeah. they could mean uh, the member role mm -hmm. of a denominational unit. Uh, they could mean a denomination of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, they could also mean, and this is where it gets <laughs> sticky because everybody has used every permutation of these combination of words to label their own denominations, but the true church that Jesus Christ established on mm -hmm. earth as mm -hmm. his ongoing body until he returns. The thing I find refreshing about that is that's not assigned to any denomination. Right. That it spans over many denominations and it's the heart of what 
the believer, the members, where they're at, mm -hmm. rather than, hey, these guys have it all the way right. Right. And so, yeah, it's... As I, I see a lot of people wanting to get really sticky about, you know, oh, the church is, is just the people. Well, you know, at the very least in English, that's not true. That's not how that word gets used. So uh, then there's the second part of the church is the people is also not really technically right uh, because the church is established by Jesus Christ. It's not established by a membership role. It's not established by attending ceremonies mm -hmm. or services mm -hmm. on certain days of the week. That's not what makes you a part of Christ's body on this earth. Mm -hmm. So even just saying it's the people, well, that's not technically correct. There are a good number of people who aren't at the church who attend a church. Right. And there's a lot of people. It, it Yeah, it's painful to see how church can be used as like a country club kind of, yeah. you know, social thing or, you know, kind of almost like your transcript going into college. Hey, I was I was right. a member of this church and so now you can believe good things about me because this is this church and this is what they stand for and so mm -hmm. I get this attributed to me too. And yeah. it's not about us. <laughs> right. That's that's so dangerous because it's kind of it's a perversion of the identity that the church is meant to hold in your life. Mm-hmm. Because being part of the church should be a, and the real church, the mm -hmm. the church that is Christ's body, I guess is the way I'll put it. Because you can't, I, I can't use, everybody likes to hijack terms, right? Mm -hmm. I can't say the church of Christ because there's a church of Christ denomination <laughs> and that's not what I'm talking about. I can't say the universal church because there is the universal and universalist churches and neither of those are what I'm talking right. about. I can't say the Catholic church, which is, is that it Latin for universal. Universal, yeah. <laughs> I can't use that because that's been, you know, everything that I can think of has been hijacked. So it's really hard to describe specifically what I'm talking about. Um, other than, you know, Christ's Ecclesia, perhaps as that's Greeky yeah. enough that <laughs> people aren't running around calling themselves you that know, yet. The thing that I really like, I've been stuck on the idea of God's presence since before Christmas because of Emmanuel and, and pondering that and really thinking on it and being able to look at, you know, God's presence in the temple and it becoming the Holy Spirit and how he indwells in us and thinking of that as we talk about the church. Mm -hmm. I think that helps kind of pull everything together, tighten the seams a little bit on our right definitions i guess and and that's you know throughout this mandatory social distancing period uh that's a rather mean but i think accurate observation that i've made is there are a lot of people who thought they were friendly and really they're just extroverts <laughs> uh, because they're going nuts in their house all alone and i don't see them using the plethora of resources at their disposal we've never had more ways to connect with yeah. each other yeah and I don't see them reaching out to do that. I don't see them cold calling their friends just to say hi and see how things are going. I don't see them when they have to go out offering to go out on behalf of other people and bringing things in. I mostly just see them going stir crazy, complaining at home and saying, you know, oh, why doesn't anybody come check mm -hmm. on me? And what that tells me is you thought you were friendly because you liked being in big groups of people. 
but really you're kind of just an energy vampire. <laughs> you liked the charge it gave you to be around a lot of people, but that's not the same as being friendly because there's no ongoing investment. You have, you know, all of these digital means, mm -hmm. social media means, messaging means, telephone memes, means <laughs> to get a hold of other people. And I see a whole bunch of people not doing it. And I see a lot of people surprised when I reach out to them mm -hmm. and go, hey, you, you came to mind. What's going on with you? How can I pray for you? What's happening? Takes and, away a little bit of that right. friction that there might be of why are they talking to me? Right. Now it's, it's they genuinely care. And yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> reaching out unprompted is met with a lot less suspicion than it yeah. often is yeah. um, these days because people understand the Why? need and they yeah. feel served instead of whereas a lot of times before you know it's our cultural yeah our, <laughs> our you know north central montana cultural mandate of you leave the quiet alone don't yeah. disturb the quiet be independent yeah be independent you <laughs> keep your head down help your neighbor help yourself and don't, don't talk about it <laughs> and don't talk about it and and don't ever need help from anyone yeah uh which is it's not healthy not healthy no we there, there's are a lot very guilty of that there's a lot of good that comes of it that other cultures could use but there's it's also it's got also, its sticky spots yeah. so yeah. it's not perfect but it's what we got right well as you talk about this and i was thinking of this before we started and i love how you just brought it there how you know wanting you know if you are extroverted and you are just feeling stir crazy and needing that being able to step outside yourself and see how you can serve someone else because you need that mm -hmm. i was thinking of the parable of the uh good samaritan mm -hmm. and how that really does relate to being the church you know be the neighbor mm -hmm. be willing to see where somebody needs service, where yeah. somebody needs help, identify what you need help with. And if you're struggling in this area, that might mean somebody else's. And so go serve in that way so that you're providing that service for other people. You know, if, yeah. if, if your church is, you know, lacking support for whatever um, little, what's the word I want? Um, description that you have for yourself whether you're single or a college kid or not college kid but college adult <laughs> um you know somebody who has a child with special needs or you work at odd hours and you're struggling to find time to do a bible study at the times that your church has that's sometimes an indicator of hey this is something that we need mm -hmm. we can look at this as an opportunity that God can speak into this and help us start this so we can be there for other people. Right. And that's, see, if I was given full free reign on a paper to define the church, um, it would probably wind up sounding a lot like Godbringers, mm -hmm. which for anyone who's not introduced to that, Godbringers is kind of a message and way of looking at the world that I eased into over the course of several years. Uh, and it's, it's complex. It's nuanced. There's a lot that goes on with it. There's a lot to take into account, but I can ultimately boil it down to if you call Jesus Christ, your Lord and savior, whenever you run across a place where you think in your mind or hear from someone else, where is God? Mm -hmm. The answer is you're it. Mm -hmm. 
that's, you know, that's essentially what Jesus did at his ascension. Mm -hmm. Tag, you're it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're my representative. You're my body. Yeah. That's why I told him, hang out till you get the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. You, you need that. You need that helper. You need that counselor. You need that power from on high because that's what Jesus operated out of Mm -hmm. for his life on this earth. Mm -hmm. And now it's our turn to operate as the hands and feet of Christ. Right. So when someone in the world goes, well, where was God? And boy, are we seeing that kind right. of thing right now? The answer is, if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior, hey, you're it. You have a responsibility to be the answer to the question. Not to cop, give, give some lame cop-out excuse mm-hmm. of, oh, God works all things together. Now, that's true, but that's that's an assurance for the Christian. Mm-hmm. That is not an assurance for the pagan. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it talks about being Show called them. according to his purpose right. in that verse. Right. Well, and, yeah, they'll know we're Christians by our love. Yes. What is love? <laughs> it's not just a nice, fuzzy feeling. It's right. an action, too, that we need to step up and take care of things. Yeah. And in the full Godbringers framework, all of that takes has to take into account that we are in the middle of a spiritual war. Right. That there are, you know weapons being deployed there are casualties all around us we are being actively opposed by a powerful enemy who has more resources than any one of us has individually you know apart from the holy spirit we can't keep up Mm -hmm. and that's part of how it gets so nuanced because the world likes to hand out little platitudes like be kind Mm -hmm. and the problem is that's not good enough that's why the first and second greatest commandments need to be layered in that order. Mm -hmm. You have to love God with all you've got Mm -hmm. in order for you to even start to understand what love is. Right. Until you can wrap your mind around loving God with all you have and the submission that comes Mm -hmm. with that. And that that's first. Once you start to get that, then you can begin to understand what it means to love your neighbor and to love your neighbor as yourself because you'll wind up with some weird perverted hedonistic view of self-care and Mm -hmm. permissive uh, ethics Mm -hmm. if you start with oh everyone knows what love is instinctively and then I'm going to love my neighbor it just turns into giving permission for everything and endorsing hedonism we're not following God then we're following what man wants instead of going well what does God want of me right and ultimately we're following ourselves right because in in that approval (laughs) right in that context in that context without first loving God and allowing him to train me what that looks like I wind up stuck in side of my own perception Mm -hmm. where even the best that I can do in terms of empathy is still me just copying and pasting my perception and how I think I would feel Mm -hmm. into your place, but I still can't objectively feel the, what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And it, it just winds up, like I said, it turns into this weird permissive hedonism thing where you're just trying to reduce suffering as much as possible and increase pleasure as much as possible. And the cold, hard reality is those are not things that God calls love. Mm -hmm. Love involves a great deal of suffering. Mm -hmm. Jesus says he loves us. And then he says, you're going to have trouble in the world. And don't worry, I overcame it. But it's going to be really hard. And that's why revelation is this constant call to uh, persistence. Right. We miss so much of revelation if we're just about, oh, it's prophecy and this is end time stuff so much of it is perseverance of the saints every transition goes going it's hard but you have hope keep going Mm -hmm. 
So, but I, I'm not given full free reign in this paper, and that's maybe, <laughs> which is good because I only am allowed eight pages. This is this and, is Kyle's problem. Yeah. He he, you know, how many people are assigned a paper, and oh man, I have to fill how many pages? But Kyle <laughs> struggles the other direction, <laughs> where you have trouble keeping it within the bounds. And that's MLA formatting is the bane of my existence because you know I get told write two pages MLA format, and I'm like okay. No, two pages in MLA format is literally three paragraphs. That's all it is. Because That's all the, you have room for. Because the footnotes the, or the... Well, the font size, oh. the line spacing, mm. the margins. It's like put as few words as possible on every page. It's like... <laughs> every it, high schooler's dream. <laughs> it, well, yeah, it's like somebody hated trees a whole bunch. So they came up with MLA <laughs> as a way. Let's murder as many trees per word as we possibly can. Yeah, it, it, it makes no sense at all to me in a world where we have digital things and you mm -hmm. should be able to, you know, space things out to read them however you mm -hmm. need to. And, uh, and don't even get me started on the source citing. It makes no sense. Ugh. It's oddly specific and they always like, they want to prove that they really know it. So they ding you on all the dumbest weird little things. Oh, your, your date was formatted incorrectly. Which one is I'm it? I'm pretty sure you knew what day I was talking is, about. Is Chicago format the one that they often use for like history papers? Yeah. And stuff? I like that I one. I do like, yeah, I like Chicago I quite a bit. I do a lot of APA because I, studied psychology in college mm -hmm. and I did not like that. I like the yeah, Chicago style. I like Chicago's judicious use of footnotes. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the least intrusive to the flow of thought. Mm -hmm. And it still gives you easy references to check who you're talking We're about. We're such nerds. We are. How are we talking about this? Right. This isn't interesting, we, is it? We started off talking about what's the church and now we're critiquing <laughs> different citation oh, methods. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, and all this kind of comes about because of seeing people, you know, I can't go to church, you know, mm -hmm. that, that sentiment, especially with throughout the Easter thing going, I can't go to church for Easter. Mm -hmm. And kind of the direction that I'm winding up landing for this paper, because they've, you know, steered me down a funnel on it. Uh, and part of it, I feel a little trapped because they steer me down a funnel and some of the rubric is kind of like, and how's the CMA good? Mm -hmm. And like I said, I don't have a problem with the CMA. I've chosen to be a part of it. I'm pursuing, you know, perhaps if they'll allow it, <laughs> <laughs> ordination in it at some point. So I obviously don't have enormous problems, uh, but it very much came to my attention that we should never celebrate our denomination without immediately on the tail of it having a responsibility to safeguard mm -hmm. the denomination. If you like what it is, you have a responsibility to keep it safe mm -hmm. because the denominations, all denominations are human mm -hmm. constructs. They mm -hmm. are not the ecclesia of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. They are some organization that a person put together. And it's necessary to right. have, you know, to be able to use resources well and everything. We need some order like that. Right. And at their best, they do a good job of serving and equipping the, tr the real ecclesia of Christ, of getting the people who fall in line with Christ's pattern, resources, training, support, mm -hmm. community, all those things that we need. So at their best, they do serve the church. But then at their worst, they seek to replace Christ mm -hmm. oh, as the boy. Redeemer. Have we, have we seen much where humility serves us wrong? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, being able to go <laughs> make less of ourselves, more of him. That seems like a good rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're coming up on the halfway point. We'll 
pause and leave space for a message, whether we put one in there or not, and then we'll come back right afterwards and maybe start to get into um, a little biblical layout of how to define and look at the church. So we'll see you after this. And we're back with Milky and Honey. We're Kyle and Whitney. And we're going to kind of continue and kind of get into some of the things I see in the Bible about church and what it is. Uh, and then what's so cool with the way that the apostles present the church is how it ties back to who Jesus is, who God is, mm. how his identity, right. These identities set up the framework for us to understand church. Um, and I, uh, a lot of, you know, the, the papers that you read on this like to go, you know, oh, ch church is the English translation of the Greek word ecclesia, which means, you know, people who are called out. And, you know, that's not incorrect, but that's not really starting at the beginning. <laughs> and this is, this is one of those places that um, kind of getting into our translation talk from last time. This is one of those places I have most recently become such a huge fan of the Septuagint uh, because it lets me build a bridge from Old Testament Hebrew into our New Testament Greek. Mm -hmm. And then I can tie together when you hear Ecclesia as church in the New Testament, what do you see in the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. What did the Septuagint, which is written in Greek, what words from Hebrew did they choose mm -hmm. to? My brain is doing all kinds of pinging things because yeah. you said being brought out. Is that correct? Is that what being you said? Being called out, being yes. Being called out after just celebrating the Passover. Uh -huh. I, yeah. Boom. And There's not, so much. You're not far off because that's the first occurrence of that Old Testament calling out. Well, that is the group of people that... Uh, God says, call an assembly of people. And this is kind of who Moses is interacting with through the plagues and to lead them out mm -hmm. of Egypt is this assembly. Mm -hmm. Well, I think of, what is it? That maybe that's where you're going with your Bible. Um, we just listened to uh, Christ in the Passover um, by presented by Jews for Jesus this evening. And they were, as they were going through talking about um, during a Seder meal, they do the four cups and this is inspired by Exodus 6, 6 and 7. And these four cups all relate to what God says, kind of a promise of what he will do and what he's done for the people. And the second one is the cup of, or no, it's, is it the first one is the cup of sanctification and, you know, that word is to make holy, to separate, and that's it, to call out. Mm -hmm. You're bringing them out of Egypt to a promised land. Yeah, and that's that Exodus 12 is where we see this, you know, assembly of the people. And they are called out. And it's this really cool thing where God has devised a plan to rescue them from the slavery and affliction that they're in in Egypt. And they are completely powerless to liberate themselves. Mm -hmm. 
you know, this is, they are being held by the world superpower at the time mm -hmm. uh, to, for a group of slaves to attempt to get away. That's a suicidal thought. Uh, one or two could make it, but as a, a nation, it's not going to happen. Nothing to scoff at. It's a large group right. of people. So they're unable to liberate themselves. God has a plan that requires them to trust in him and trust that he is more powerful than Egypt's God, mm. God's, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that he's going to deliver. And they have to take part in covering their household with the blood of a lamb. And then after that's completed in faith, that saves them from death. But then their journey to enter God's rest has just begun, and they now have to exit Egypt. Mm -hmm. They have to exit this land where they've been held captive mm -hmm. and they go through a journey. They pass through waters, go on a journey through the wilderness to enter God's rest. And this is a journey that for that generation will take up most of their lives because of mm -hmm. their dalliances. Right. Well, disobedience after we've been brought through the waters. And this is, it's such a one-to-one -one mirror mm -hmm. of the last 2000 years we've had of the church of mm -hmm. uh, so with this idea of it's you know god calling them out yeah we are we all were captive to sin mm -hmm. sin is egypt right and i mean it's it's sin is egypt it's to the point that uh the the sun god of egypt ra <laughs> that's the hebrew word for evil mm-hmm so there's there's a whole bunch going on like you can see the the egyptian fingerprints in the language and handling of the pentateuch uh from their time there in in slavery and oppression uh and that's very much how we as people are that sin has left a lot of fingerprints on us and but God has a plan. We have to have the blood of the lamb applied so that we can escape death. Mm -hmm. But then having escaped death, that's not enough. We have to exit mm -hmm. our Egypt mm -hmm. and we're going to be passed through waters, which corresponds with baptism. That was, that was the sign of Egypt's defeat. Mm -hmm. After they went through the Red Sea, Egypt didn't have power anymore. And that corresponds with our baptism. That is a symbol that sin has no power over us anymore. The water doesn't wash away our sin any more than the water washed away the political power or legal claim of Egypt over the people. But it's the sign that the God who owns all things mm. has set them free. And if God sets you free, you're free indeed. But then they wander the wilderness and it was supposed to be a short time. But because of their lack of faith and constant complaining, it turned into a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like as a church, we're kind of there. We've, we've kind of gotten lazy and whiny. Right. And it's, <laughs> it's easy for me to point my finger somewhere around the three, four hundreds AD and go, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's a whole different historical conversation. You can find it all over the place. Right. I mean, we're, we're nothing we new each, under the sun. We keep repeating yeah. our own. And we each personally have a stake in it. Right, right. Uh, and that's, you know, the time that they were in the wilderness, they lived as uncircumcised Gentiles, evidenced by when Joshua finally yeah. brought them across Jordan, which they had to go through water and again. And it was on the Passover right. when they're doing this. They 
had to circumcise everyone mm-hmm. because they'd all been living as uncircumcised Gentiles mm-hmm. during their time in the desert. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a, a, an honest rabbi will say, yeah, that was not our proudest generation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, but again, you can't point fingers because we all have the same fleshy stumblings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, their fleshy stumblings were a little more literal, but... This is our mirroring of yes. our, what we are doing too and just like that mirror as they crossed the jordan to enter the rest and take that promised land that god had promised to the forefathers you didn't get to see the whole nation that was liberated all at the same time because a bunch of them were asleep mm-hmm. right moses who led them out was not part of that procession mm-hmm. and I feel like that's one of the most powerful images to try to get across to people what I mean when I talk about Christ's ecclesia, Mm -hmm. Christ's church. Mm -hmm. None of us have seen it all. Mm -hmm. We're not going to see it until he sounds the trumpet and sends his angels to gather us all together. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the first time that Christ's full ecclesia, his Mm -hmm. full church, the ones that he called, that he have applied his blood, have been saved from death, have been passed out of the authority of sin, have walked that hard wilderness of life among unbelievers waiting to enter his rest. And we will look around and for the first time, see the full body of Christ Mm -hmm. on that day. And that is the real church. Mm -hmm. And so there's a couple things going on there of just like, you, you you labored to be counted worthy to mm-hmm. exit Egypt. There was nothing you could do to do the work. Mm-hmm. You had to fully rely on the blood of the lamb and you had to fully trust in God's plan to work out your salvation mm-hmm. from Egypt. However, it was not a laborless exodus. It was an exodus that... Obedience. They, yeah, of obedience, of, of radical obedience mm-hmm. to just pick up and walk out walk away from the military superpower, which very quickly gave chase. And it was a constant reliance on God. Right. And every day in the desert was the same thing. Right. How much there was complaining of and and this, we mm-hmm. should have never left. Yes. You know, you get miserable with a situation mm-hmm. and you ask for deliverance to be freed from it. Mm-hmm. And yet how often do we find ourselves in a new situation? Change is hard. We get comfortable with the hard times that we had been in and go, we wish we had that back because yeah. at least I knew that hard time and mm-hmm. I could handle that hard time. And, yeah, we like the oh, affliction we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so for the, the call for us today is, you know, it doesn't sound as... Uh, that's one of the interesting things to me is when you start looking at the church in those terms, uh, very quickly, it becomes apparent, well, Kyle, that's just the gospel story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that church, re- the church revolves around the gospel story because the centerpiece of the gospel story in Exodus is that Passover lamb. That's the sacrifice that, that guards them from the death mm-hmm. because that death is God's final blow against the false gods of the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. And then when we 
hit that fulfilling mirror that Christ provides, the centerpiece of our gospel is Jesus Christ. And that's where they use terms to talk about him like the cornerstone. And I love that. I love that. And well, and I love because it's a cornerstone and yet we are all living stones building a temple for God Mm -hmm. is is this picture of the church. Mm -hmm. And I feel a lot of people kind of make too... We don't go deep enough. (laughs) Right. We make too loose an assessment of this. And I, I like to look at it and compare it to when they made altars for those first sacrifices in the desert of their, the sacrificial system as God is christening it, mm-hmm. kicking it off and saying, here's how you're going to do it. They built the altars out of uncut stone. Mm-hmm. So these are, these have not been prepared. They are stones that God provided and they found and then they laid them out. And there's stones all over. You know, if you go to most deserts, there's rocks all over. And that's the landscape we're in. There are living stones all over. And how do you know which ones are included in the building and which ones are excluded? Which ones are called out and taking part in this construction and which ones are not? And it's really easy. It's the ones that fall in line with the cornerstone. The cornerstone sets the orientation and the lines for the entire Mm -hmm. construction. And if we're building a temple and we lay down that cornerstone, any stone that won't fall in line that's not part of the church. Mm-hmm. That's not part of that church he's building, that temple that he's constructing. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, people will want to claim, well, Christ's grace, so I don't have to change. I don't have to. That's not correct. That's not correct. Because it takes you as you are. Right. You're building that altar for God. Mm-hmm. And it's uncut stone. He's taking them as they are, but they have to fall in line. Right. If they don't fall in line and they don't fit together and work together, they have no part in the sacrifice. Right. And that's a such a great image mm-hmm. for how the greater church works because mm-hmm. we go into a church building, which in, in and of itself is a metaphor for what we're doing, mm-hmm. for what Christ is doing in and with each of us. Mm-hmm. And there are a bunch of, you know, mud babies, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, human beings, dirt with God's image on it, rocks. Mm-hmm. And, how do you know which ones are really part of the invisible church Christ is building that no eye has seen and which ones are just showing up in the physical church Mm -hmm. building, but don't have a share. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the ones that fall in line with that cornerstone. Right. And, Uh, and, and even looking at the basis of that, you bring up mud babies, (laughs) the, that word humus, Mm -hmm. human, that, that comes back to the dirt. Yeah. And, it's also humility. Mm-hmm. And so we are bowing down to his ordering, his right. alignment so that we can be made right and in, in the orientation that he requires of yeah. us. And then if I'm permitted to go ad nauseum with it, the a lot of people don't realize the traditions of cornerstone. Yes, this part. Oh. <laughs> It, it involves uh, the, the cornerstone. There's also a religious and spiritual perspective to it that when in you lay the cornerstone, cultures, yeah. yes, in ancient cultures, 
uh, and a lot of ancient, I believe, Mesopotamian specifically yes, yeah. cultures, when you laid down that cornerstone, that's also establishing the spiritual power for that building. And what the tradition is, is you would sacrifice an animal or a person yeah. and it would lay beneath that cornerstone. It would be symbolically crushed. Its blood would uphold that cornerstone to give power, security, and safety to the entire construction. And that image mm -hmm. finds its fulfilling mirror in what Christ did, that he is that he sacrifice. Is, yeah. He was the one crushed for our iniquity. It is his blood that upholds the orientation, and it is by him that there's spiritual power protecting this invisible construction that God is working that no eye has seen. And that's just a really, it's, it's, it's a mystery to ponder. Yeah, it's one of those things so you can't just take it and go, oh, that's kind of neat. That's, you got to keep coming back to it and yeah. chewing on it. Well, and the thing that, taking it even further, during um, pilgrimage feasts in Israel, so that is Passover, that is Pentecost, mm -hmm. or in Old or Testament, weeks. weeks, yes. And that is uh, Sukkot or um, Tabernacles um, is how it's called. During those pilgrimage feasts, when they are required to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, they would sing what we call the Hallel mm -hmm. Psalms. And that is Psalms 113 through Psalm 118 mm -hmm. and Psalm and the, 136. Yeah, the great Hallel is Psalm 136. And in Psalm 118, that's where we see that he is the cornerstone. Right. I have to go, go find it here real quick. He's the cornerstone. That's also where we have those haunting words that would have been one of the last verses Jesus read before heading out to Gethsemane. Right. Of bind the sacrifice to the altar, to the horns of the altar. Uh, and that's, mm -hmm. again, just that, the, that potent that image. imagery. Yeah, and knowing that's exactly what he's about to do. Mm -hmm. I think my blood sugar is getting low. I'm feeling really <laughs> hot and dizzy. And, and that, like I said, that, that gives me goosebumps thinking of him reading that, and he knew. He knew that the next steps out the door were to go be the fulfillment um, uh, that he was going to be bound as our sacrifice, you know, by the next right. day. Just starting here. I mean, the whole thing is great, but we'll start at uh, verse 19 in Psalm 118. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to, to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. He's the gate. Mm -hmm. I shall give thanks to you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. Mm -hmm which is, is Yeshua. Yeshua. Literally, that's what it says if you look at it in Hebrew. Je Jesus' name means salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, we, or, o Lord do save, we beseech you, which is Hosanna, mm -hmm. Hosanna. O Lord, we beseech you, O Lord, we beseech you to 
do send to do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are the you are my God, and I give thanks to you. You are my God. I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Just, ugh. And that's something that they would say mm -hmm. or sing. And they still. <laughs> and they still do. They do that at all of those mm -hmm. holidays. And that's what Jesus would have sang as he was going or before he was going to Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. there's, and there's just so much there packed in with his identity and what he says about himself. And Right. So that's uh, in the New Testament when it says they sang songs and then left. That's the Psalms is the Hebrew hymnal, yeah. you know, and, and this is, the, these are the sections that they sing at the, each of these festivals. So we can confidently look at that. And then I love how that Psalm 118 ends because Psalm 136 uh, mm -hmm. is just a refrain where every other line is his, his loving love kindness is, yeah. is everlasting or his love endures forever is another way it's rendered. Uh, and, so Psalm 118 seamlessly then flows into that Psalm right. 136 of his love endures forever, that all of this is leading up Building. to his love yeah. enduring forever. And that ultimately that is that goal of Christ's Ecclesia, mm -hmm. that his love does endure forever. And we're the physical outpouring of this invisible structure, God's building. Mm -hmm. And then that's, and so all of this discussion has been on just that one image mm -hmm. of who Christ is, one, one little one facet little of his identity as the cornerstone. Mm -hmm. And we can do the same thing with him as the gate. Mm -hmm. We can do the same thing with him as the shepherd. We can do the same thing with him as the judge. And it, it holds and we learn new aspects about what it means to be the church. So mm -hmm. the church is, like I said, I, I don't even, I don't really like the church is the people because while there's a component of that that's true, it's, it's so much, much more about the great things that God is doing through yeah. his creation. Yeah. And I have to always bring it back to Genesis because that Genesis 1 is so pivotal and that, he calls back to that. That's right, where that he identifies himself as. We keep forgetting that we're dirt. Mm -hmm. That's that's God formed dirt into a person shape. Mm -hmm. But the thing that makes us vibrant and living is that image that he stamps on us, that we are dirt with God's image mm -hmm. on it. That that's how potent mm -hmm. that image is that's how incredible that identity mm -hmm. of god is the breath of god that just that stamp yeah just that stamp of who he is takes regular old dirt from the field and makes it all of the beautiful and infuriating complexity of a human being <laughs> and i have a whole you know there's a whole big segment of God bringers where I get into that. Uh, but that's uh, pretty much all the time that we've got. So you know, remember, you can't attend a church building. You may be missing out on a church congregation. You may not be communicating with a you know, the office or personnel of a church denomination. Missing your Bible studies. But you're not separated from the church. Right. That's... Yeah. Because God. no, no eye has seen the whole church. Mm -hmm. You've never seen it. So you can't complain that you're not showing up at it because we're not going to miss that trumpet call. 
you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what the, that's the angel's jobs is to make sure we make, we show it up. Right. It's, right. it's our job to walk that Persevere. exodus from sin. Yep. And I, I guess I would say to just, um, seek where you see God's identity, seek who he is and that ponder on that, meditate on that. And that would be mm-hmm. where you can find hope. That's where you can find, um, rejuvenation yeah. at this time yeah. because that's where we always find it yeah. in him yeah look for who he is and then that's going to tell you what you as the church are yeah so this has been uh, milky and honey have a sweet week